0: Today's episode of The Enlightened Agent, we have Jelani Fenton, the founder and CEO of Safari on the show. Jelani is doing an incredible job with his company of bringing a diverse talent pool to the insurance industry, something that we desperately need in this space. And you know, we had some fantastic conversations about why diversity matters, uh, why inclusion matters, why people should really care, and what we can do to help managers and leaders who are just starting to go on their journey begin to raise awareness and prioritize D9 and in their industry and in their roles and in their companies. So if that sounds interesting for you, uh, stick around and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Enlightened Future, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Jelani Fenton, founder and CEO of Safari. Jelani, welcome to the
1: show. Great to be here, Jason. Very excited to chat and really appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, I'm excited as well. I've learned that Safari is on a mission to create career and economic advancement opportunities for a diverse pool of job seekers. And as it says on your website, to develop a high-performing, diverse workforce for the insurance industry. So I think that's an incredible mission. You know, we were introduced by Wendy Bukowitz from Cincinnati. I was inviting her to be on the show, and she was like, "No, no, no! You don't want to talk to me. You want to talk to Joline." So, um, so thank you, Wendy, for introducing us, and I've enjoyed learning about you and and the company. But, but, candidly, I think the audience would love to hear from you, you know, who you are and and why you decided to start
1: Safari. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I'll, I'll start with with this and that. One huge thank you to to Wendy for connecting us. Definitely really excited to be on the podcast today. I really like insurance. I'll start with that. I think it's the best industry on the face of the earth. I've been in it for the past nine years, so I started my career out as a broker at one of the top three uh, commercial insurance brokerages in the world. Transitioned over to the investment banking side for a few years to help with capital raising and M&A for insurance companies, and also spent some time on the insure tech side at... uh, Post series B insurtech for a while as well. So as you can see, that there's definitely a common theme in terms of this whole insurance thing, but now super focused on really helping the insurance industry, I think, solve three problems with Safari. So one, just a general lack of diverse talent within the industry. So, you know, we're going to be going out and really looking to recruit and raise awareness of the insurance industry and insurance industry career paths for more diverse talent to really help insurance companies across the board, carriers, brokers, TPAs and the like to increase their diversity and inclusion, talent acquisition and learning and development efforts. But secondly, just a, uh, the talent shortage that I think everyone's been talking about within our industry. So really going to be focused on increasing awareness of, uh, of the insurance industry for people of all backgrounds to really help build up a, a larger pipeline of talent for our industry. I think the that that I was reading the other day is about less than 25% of the industry is under the age of 35, which is a fundamental problem within our industry right now. So we've got a, definitely got an uphill battle in terms of making the insurance industry cool. And, you know, lastly, I, I would say the, uh, you know, the the last kind of pillar there is that we've got an aging workforce as well. So, you know, we're going to be super focused on kind of building a specific pipeline of of talent to be able to enter the industry and providing them with the learning and development tools that they'll need to be able to be successful. So in a word, we're essentially a trade school for the insurance industry. So we uh, connect with community colleges, four-year universities, as well as military transition offices to build up a large pipeline of candidates to enter the insurance industry, provide them with one two year training programs where they'll have the opportunity to earn while they learn through registered apprenticeships. And you know ultimately the thought there is that we're going to be recruiting the next generation of insurance talent.
0: That's awesome. I mean what a what a mission and a plan you got there. What I what got my attention actually was that when I asked you why you started the company, I talked about three problems and, and every good entrepreneur knows that you know it's all about you know who's the customer, what what's the problem? And you said First thing you said was a lack of diverse talent. So I think absolutely the question that came to mind for me is why is that a problem? Right? Like why, if I'm a CEO of an insurance company, why is it a problem that I
1: don't have a diverse,
0: a diverse employee pool? like what would you say?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's there's definitely several reasons for for wanting to to go out and diversify your candidate pool. So, I would say through my lived experience, I was the only male of color in the leadership development program class at uh at in my first job in the insurance hmm. industry. This is this is 2013, right? And this is a 50, 60,000 person organization and uh you know, I ended up being the, the only m- male. How, of many color.
0: People, how, how many people how many people are in the program?
1: Yeah. So there's about 65 fresh recent grads in the, in the program. So we had a total of about five diverse candidates in the whole class. I ended up being the only male of that group. But, you know, ultimately, it's just one of those things where, at least compared to, let's say, the investment banking or, or accounting fields. I mean, I think that there's just general lack of awareness of insurance industry careers. So that that's one issue. But, you know, I, I think also to the extent that our industry can kind of go out and look to build those pipelines within HBCUs, other four-year universities and things of that nature, that will definitely be one step that we can take. But ultimately, you know, kind of going back to your question around, you know, the the, the problem here and why this is something that people should care about, right? Like, I think ultimately this is something that we should be focused on for a variety of reasons. First off, there's a huge demographic shift going on within our country right now. So as we kind Mm -hmm. of think about the changing face of what being an American looks like and and what what that ultimately represents anywhere from 40 to 45% of our population is going to be coming from a diverse background by the year 2030. So ultimately, as we kind of think about the future workforce and what that's mm. going to look like, how do you build a culture, you know, if there's such a stark divide between folks coming from diverse backgrounds and not. So I would say that that's definitely one kind of piece from an overall culture perspective and what ultimately keeps people aligned with organization. You know, I think it's, it's a really important thing as we kind of think about the the next generation of folks coming up. Like I'm firmly a millennial. My sister's a, a Gen Z. She's yeah. a, she's actually at a, at a large insurance carrier right now, over in the HR team. You know, but people are asking, right? Like, what's your diversity and inclusion strategy? Right? Like, how do you incorporate and create a more inclusive work culture for everyone that's coming in? That's not only coming from the diverse candidates that you're that you're looking to recruit, right? This is coming from the the non diverse people that are looking right. for companies that have that uh, that alignment with with culture and inclusion. So I think it's it's gonna be one of those things where if you're an organization and you're not standing by and actually going out and creating this type of inclusive environment, you're gonna be in a really tough spot from a talent acquisition perspective.
0: I'll tell you what was going through my head as you said that, which is, you know, I'm the CEO of a, a 15 person company, you know, relatively speaking, this is a, a small company, right? But we raise venture capital, like our we have plans to be a billion dollar company in five years. And that' Company is going to get much bigger, right? And so, I, I think most CEOs who are, are you know, beyond the kind of ten to fifteen person size, right, a lot of their focus is people, right? And so, when I think about the future of this company, it's going to be built on the backs of of great people that we hire. And the stat about you know forty percent or more having diverse background, you know, really resonates with me. I'm like, wait a second, I need to make sure that the people we're going to be hiring over the next, you know, three to five years feel so welcome here, right? And that means that Oops. the team and the environment needs to be, needs to be reflective of of the U.S. in general or the world at large. Otherwise, you know, how are we going to recruit the best people, right? That's a lot. Exactly. 30%
1: is a lot. So, um, exactly. Yeah. Listen, really- man, it's definitely one of those things where you've got the internal, I would say, initiative of making sure that you're that you're recruiting more diverse talent. But then, as you kind of think about your customer of the future, right? Like, you guys are providing, you guys are selling a product to commercial insurance agents, right, and and, and personal insurance agents, and some of those, a lot of those, as we kind of think about the, the changing demographics of agency owners and other entrepreneurs, like. Those are going to be the folks that will be the frontline sales into those types of markets, right? Like I know there are some some companies right now within the insurance space that are doing some really interesting things within niche markets. So CEO Seguros has one example that's really kind of tapping into that Spanish-speaking Hispanic market. And Nestor's doing some really interesting stuff where they're really, you know, building a whole team that can sell specifically into that market. And that can you know, ultimately take advantage of a market that's continuing to grow. We're talking about a $3 trillion uh, consumer spending market within multicultural uh, communities right there. And it's only increasing in terms of the proportion of total consumer spending that's coming from that segment of the, uh, that's coming from the market. I think it increased from somewhere around 13% back in 1990 up to about 20% as of 2020. So there's a huge business opportunity as you kind of think about this across agency owners brokers carriers to be able to sell into that multicultural market but the key part here is being able to find people who can help you sell and who can ultimately you know who are embedded within those communities that can ultimately help you uh i would say capitalize on that business opportunity
0: yeah i like you said our customers are agents and brokers and carriers you know as they accelerate their strategies and strategy and and bring in a, a a more diverse employee pool, right? Those are the people we're gonna engage with and, and those are our customers. So I want to make sure that that they feel comfortable with us communicating with us, that they feel like there's like minded people. And so that that feels important. You know, one of the things that I have seen over the last year, right, since since social justice became a huge priority uh, in the US, sort of post-George Floyd is kind of an elevation of diversity, equity, and inclusion as a priority. Within a lot of businesses. There's a lot of talk about strategy and what we're doing. And it's almost become like a like a discipline in companies is, is what I'm starting to hear. But I I worry sometimes that people sort of lose track of why it matters. And so I'm I'm curious to get your take on like why people like, yeah, we should have a DNI strategy because it's the right thing to do. But like, I don't know why like, why, I guess is my question. Like in, in your view, why should people care?
1: Absolutely. I mean, listen, I think that this is going to be something that can be both a recruitment and a business tool, right? As we had started to kind of talk about before. So as we think about things culturally and like building a workforce that actually enjoys wanting to work with you, like The talent market right now is crazy, which which I think we've talked about before too. So when you've got companies now that are talking about diversity and inclusion, that's directly aligning with their mission and their values as an organization. So I feel like one of the things that's really tying people to wanting to stay outside of pay other types of, I would say, techniques that companies are using to to retain talent. But if you've got a solid mission and you've got something that people can really rally around, like that's all culture, right? And I think that the insurtechs likely have a leg up on some of the legacy players in terms of being able to build that culture there. So I would say that that's definitely a part of it, right? Like, how are you creating a culture? How are you creating a mission that everyone can kind of be around? And, you know, why someone should care about that? It's for a couple of reasons, right? So something that can, you know, can really kind of drive retention within your existing workforce by facilitating, I would say, a more inclusive and a more diverse workforce. But, you know, to the extent that that's something that, you know, is it might be a little bit more touchy feely, but as you kind of think about the actual, you know, business opportunity there too, on the flip side, I mean, it's, it's just one of those where you and I both know, people like to buy from people that know that know about them, right? That understand right. where they're coming from, that understand and that are embedded within these communities. So I think that the the important part here is that, you know, by recruiting more diverse talent and by committing to more diversity and inclusion efforts within your organizations, you'll have the opportunity to create a more inclusive work culture that can not only help retain existing employees, but it can also be used as a tool to recruit new employees, right? I think you, you and I were talking a little bit about business resource groups and employee resource groups as something that can really kind of drive culture, right? So as we kind of get away from the things that people are thinking about from a, this is my job and this is what I do every day, but kind of getting to more towards the reasons like, Why am I staying in this job? And why am I continuing to show up to this organization? Business resource groups, employee resource groups are, are, I think, a, a couple of the tools that, companies can now really start to tap into and kind of dive into as a way to keep employees engaged, particularly within a distributed remote hybrid workforce right now. Like we're getting a lot yeah. more disconnected and it's a really, uh, it's an uphill battle to get more folks, uh, you know, really engaged with their employers, right? So well, I think that I'll those are, are are really good tools there.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, what really comes to mind when you say that, which is that my family, right? I have my friends, I have my job, I spend... You know, more than forty hours a week with with the people I work with, and I want to feel connected to them, right? And and if I if people where I work are not, if I don't feel connected to them through these, whether it's a resource group or otherwise, then, you know, I'm less likely to stick around. So those things, those things matter a lot. Uh, the, the other it kind of made me sad actually when you were talking about the need for the people you're selling to or buying from to be a similar background or, or similar ethnicity, right? Like, it's sad that today people feel less comfortable, you know, a white person buying from a black person or a man buying from a woman. And I'm not saying that, like, everybody feels that way. I, I wish it weren't. Mm-hmm. What I hope happens is there's a period of time where we start to break down those stereotypes of the wrong way, but we break down those those biases. Cultural like, barriers. Those barriers. Cultural barriers. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's going to take, five years, 10 years, 20 years, maybe longer, maybe I'll be ambitious, but like, you know there should be a point where the workplace mimics the world that we live in and Absolutely. you know every day the people that you interact with it's a mix and it just feels normal um Absolutely. i guess maybe now it feels abnormal when it's like wait there's i'm either working in a place or i'm talking to people and it seems you know homogeneous in a way that's kind of not normal right that's almost that's almost worse so i hope that a day comes soon where we all feel very comfortable working with and and buying from, you know, people of any different background. But I think in the meantime, there, there's definitely a to facilitate that comfort. And so what you're doing, I think is, is, is fantastic. So, um, absolutely. Absolutely. For the managers and leaders out there who are either thinking about or in the process of executing their DE and I strategy, you know, what are some things you've seen about the value they're getting? from doing a good job? Like what comes to mind when you think of of the the impact or the value of a good DEI strategy?
1: Yeah, so it's actually, it's pretty interesting, right? Because you've got certain companies that are doing a really good job with regards to recruiting more diverse talent to the pipeline. I think MetLife just is, is one company that kind of pops into my head because I know that, and this, this actually goes back to like the uh, the 90s and, and the 2000s where they actually put together a specific business unit for uh, tapping into more multicultural diverse markets. Uh, so hmm. they've got essentially a whole network of Black and Latino agents that are reaching out to folks within their communities, but also that are uh, essentially helping to recruit and develop more diverse talent for their internal organization, right? So they've put together a full culture as well as business uh, strategy around recruiting and developing more diverse talent. And that has been able to channel one for one into the business opportunity that they've been able to capture there that's kind of one example of a company that's doing some pretty good work there. But, you know, kind of going back to to what managers can really do there. I mean, it's obviously going to vary and it's going to depend on the type of organization and where you're coming from, right? Like, I think the the large institutional players have the resources. They've got the, uh, the staff to be able to say, we've got an employee resource group. Like, let's double down on this. Let's start attaching specific metrics and like measurability towards like, all right, well, if you're engaged in an ERG and you're leading, let's say, an ERG right now as a diverse professional. Like, what can we do since this is such a great tool to be able to drive better culture within our organization? How can we reward you for that? Right. Because I feel like a lot of folks coming out of the, the post George Floyd era were just like, all right, well, our company has essentially been going through our resource group for the past two years And has been saying where we've got this bright, shiny, you know, BRG and they're doing, they're putting out some great statements and they're, they're doing some great work to increase their engagement within diverse communities and to increase visibility of this company as a company that is, that is, that cares about diversity and inclusion, but then how are those candidates, how are those employees being rewarded for their efforts, right? Like that are outside of, let's say their typical day job. So I would say in, in terms of like really kind of think being thoughtful about it, one is just rewarding the employees that are doing the work every single day to drive that yep. culture, to make it a lot more of an inclusive culture. But then for companies that, let's say, might not necessarily have the infrastructure or the resources or that haven't developed a DEI strategy, they might be kind of waiting it out. The best place to start is by connecting with your diverse employees and just having mm. one-on-one candid conversations so that you can figure out, like, Is this a culture that's welcoming of diverse talent? One of the things that, you know, I've got to be very kind of cautious about, like, as we look to engage with companies, right, is... Am I putting someone in a position to fail, right? And and that is putting them in a company that might not necessarily value diversity and inclusion, and, and that ultimately is something that makes us. That's ultimately like how my business will operate well, right? Yep. By placing candidates in, into good types of uh into good types of organizations. So I know that there are a lot of companies right now that might be looking into how do we do DEI, how do we execute and create kind of a program there, but don't rush to it. Like, do do not rush and don't don't just do it just because you think that this is something that you need to do. I think that you just got to make sure that you're connecting with the folks on the ground who can tell you and give you a realistic breakdown of what it's like and what the culture is like so that then you could start laying out a roadmap.
0: I feel like you mentioned earlier on something about helping the employers, not just finding talent, but Helping them create a more inclusive workplace. Is that part of your offering as well? Or are you guys consulting on that? Or because cause I get it. Like you don't want to place a, you know, a diverse candidate in a company and then they get there and they're like, this place, you know, it's all, it's all lip service, right? Like it's actually not a very inclusive place. Mm-hmm. Is that is that part of your offering or is that just part of something you bet out? Like how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, so I would say it's it's not currently part of our offering. We're not offering any consulting types of, of work right now for the company side. We're actually doing that on the candidate side with for each of the candidates mm. that comes through. We're actually providing them with the training on like, this is how you operate in a professional setting where you will likely stand out, like, because that's very much so kind of tied to my lived experience. But and I think that, that will ultimately be something that can kind of help candidates at least setting expectations wise, like Listen, we're not going to be able to solve this diversity thing, you know, overnight, right? Like where this is going to take time and likely a lot of the candidates that we would be recruiting would will be one of the few within their offices, but now we have to help them kind of navigate that. But a lot of companies out there that are currently focused on the culture side of the equation because that's a, that's a really important part too. Mm-hmm. In terms of training managers on how to interact with candidates that are coming from different backgrounds or that see the world a different way or when it's the day after, let's say, an event that might be generating people's kind of like interest in diversity and inclusion or I would say just general like race within our country. Like, how do you handle that conversation with a candidate right? or sorry, with uh, with one of your employees, employees? Right. So. There's definitely a lot of work being done on that side too. But right. I think ultimately there's a whole kind of segment of the market where of, of folks that need that training before getting into the company to say, you will likely be one of the few, we need to make yeah. sure that we're that we're kind of helping you get trained up for, for that opportunity as well, for that experience.
0: Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question for you as a white male leader of a company. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for managers or leaders who are starting to raise awareness or prioritize uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like I know there was probably some uh, early adopters, if you will, late last year, sorry, early last year, post George Floyd. And there's probably some people who are like, wow, this is still a thing, right? People who are so maybe I should pay attention. What advice do you have for people like that who are are just starting to think about raising awareness and prioritize the and i
1: yeah, so I I think the first step is in connecting with your existing employees who might be coming from diverse backgrounds. So that that's kind yeah. of part one. But I would say even before that, like thinking about like why you would want to do something like this, because I think that you know mm. even with the best intentions, you still got to kind of figure out and, and make it genuine, right? Make it authentic, so that that can kind of help push everything forward. So as I now kind of think about, all right, well. If you are a company that's looking to kind of put together a DEI strategy, I think it's ultimately going to be really tied to like, what are you looking to get out of it? How can we incorporate this into every single element of the employee experience, like from onboarding to like figuring out, like, how do we even build up that pipeline of diverse candidates through to, on their, in their actual experience, right? Like how are we checking in with employees over time to make sure that they're continuing to stay, to continuing to feel welcome and ultimately are, are focused on actually like interested and invested in staying within your organization and they feel like they're welcome. So I would say in terms of like really creating that, like creating that strategy, step one really kind of starts with what are you looking to do? How can you incorporate that a little bit more into your overall talent strategy and then making sure that you're staying close to all the uh, all the new employees that you that you recruit into the pipeline.
0: Yeah, two, two things came to mind. First of all, like the why, right? Like don't just do it because that's what everybody else is doing, right? Like exactly. really really connect yourself with like what's the purpose of doing this, right? Because if you don't have that foundation, it's just going to be a, another three-month flip service activity and then it's, it's going to disappear. So I think that's awesome. And the second thing that it struck me just now was your recommendation which is you know hey go and talk to your diverse employees i can imagine a time you know 10 years ago where you know a manager going to a diverse employee and said hey i want to have a conversation about what it's like to be you know black or latino or a female in the company that's like super awkward right it would be almost yeah. like hey am i going to get called up on hr for this and <laughs> the fact that, right it's like oh it's talk real no it's real somebody who's different and and but I love the fact that like now we're inviting people to do that and that those people are being put in a position of opportunity to have an impact, right? So mm-hmm. it just, it doesn't, I, mean, I don't know, I, mean, I, was, I was 10 years ago, I was 10 years younger and less educated, but it definitely feels mm-hmm. like that's like really not just okay, but encouraged. So things are- I
1: mean, listen, there's, there's a lot more of that talk being brought to the work place right now, right? Like we've, we've yep. seen kind of an uptick in just more conversations around political issues as well as other issues that typically have been uncomfortable in a work setting. Yep. And that's yeah. ultimately, you know, been one of the things that that might drive people out of an organization, unfortunately. And, and now I think it's something that we can all feel a lot more comfortable with talking about. Like it's going to be uncomfortable in the in the you know in the actual moment, but you know, yeah. in, in terms of being able to kind of drive that culture of openness and that culture of, of diversity and inclusion. That just can't be your HR or your DNI team. Like you've yeah. got to embed that across each employee that that you bring to the door. Love it. Love it. Love it.
0: Jelani, the enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And so you know, in an effort to enlighten our audience, um, I'd love to know what are some things that you, uh, you're doing or you plan to do to continue improving diversity, equity, inclusion, either in your business or in the industry, what can you share?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, first off, what we're, what we're looking to do with Safari across the broader insurance industry is to get more diverse talent into the pipeline. And ultimately, I think that those folks can be the folks that you can now look to in the future to be the vectors of culture within your organizations that can really essentially help you, you know, scale a diversity and inclusion program as opposed to just getting it started up. So I would say that, that that's kind of one piece there. Ultimately, my goal, you know, as a as founder of this company is to get 50, Thousand new employees into the uh, into the insurance industry by the year twenty thirty. So I know okay. it's, uh, it's a large a large audacious goal, but you know we've we didn't even jump into the talent shortage today but that's a completely separate that's a completely separate type of discussion but you know ultimately our our goal here is to make the insurance industry align more representative with the broader population of our country and and to make sure that its employee and its workforce are very much so tied to the broader demographics of our country and i think ultimately what that creates is an insurance industry that is better able to serve all of its customers and that is one that will be a lot more inclusive and diverse, which at the end of the day, we're all here to do business. And if yep. you're getting that feedback from the folks that are that live within these communities and that are interacting with everyone in these communities on a day to day basis, that's just going to make the insurance industry better for everyone. And, and that's ultimately what I am most focused on helping to create here.
0: Well, I, I certainly appreciate what you're doing. And I know that other people have recognized that. Obviously, Wendy. And the broker tech ventures community. I was on the line with one of their partners the other day. I told them about the show. And he said, Oh, you should talk with this guy, Jelani Benton." He's he, I was like, Yep. So you're definitely <laughs> here, here. what you're doing is being recognized. And I I really appreciate it. In fact, on our first call, I was like, hey, wait, can you help in show techs as well? And <laughs> slow, slow down, slow down. You start one start step one at a time. Segment. It's on the so way last, though. One segment. So yeah, we're me up for the, uh, I mean, look, I hope we're doing a, a good job and it's not something we need, but um, the truth is, I think, more attention to it, the better. So absolutely. Um, this has been what I would call an enlightening conversation. So I, I really enjoyed having you on the show, Jelani. Before wrapping up, anything else you'd like to say or, or share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean listen, thanks so much for the opportunity to join today. I would say, you know, and this really ties back to a, a part of the conversation that you and I Jason were having before, which is I think that a lot of folks like there could be a little bit of fatigue with hearing about all things diversity and inclusion, but I think that this is a really it's a really good opportunity for everyone across the board regardless of background to really kind of lean in and let's just keep this conversation going. You know, this this should not be something that we only talk about after a specific event. Let's just keep having these yeah. conversations. And you know, uh, on the back end, we will be able to uh to we will be able to create a better insurance industry for doing the work right now. Yeah. And, and that's really the the message that I want to get out there.
0: Yeah, I mean that that really resonated when we had that conversation. Right? This there shouldn't just be a a reaction, you know, every time something bad happens, right? We need to keep the conversation going, keep it elevated keep it as a priority you know it's not just a one-time thing and you know hopefully you know before too long it, it won't be a needed conversation or just even more um, but who knows when that's going to happen so let's, let's keep fighting the fight and absolutely um, but thanks thanks a ton for coming on the show our uh, best of luck with the business and everything you're doing please let me know how I can help and actually for that matter for, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you either learn more or potentially work with you how can people find you
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can look us up online. So it's insuresafari.com. Feel free to reach out directly to me. It's Jelani, J-E-L-A-N-I at insuresafari.com. Always happy to connect with some other folks that are looking to recruit and and develop some more diverse talent for their organizations.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks again for coming on the show. Jelani Fenton, founder and CEO of Safari. Look forward to seeing you out there and, and wishing you the best on your mission. Thanks again.
1: Awesome, thanks again, Jason.